On Racing HQ, Monday's Experts, studying the form of racing's characters. Monday's Experts, he'd have always got the good oil. Pity you can't put a bet on at the finish of a race. All clear. Gates are back in the away. Never Talk was second last into stride. In fact, last now with Confess. Trevesta's going back with Poseidon Ruler. French Marine, the first one out from Great News. McDonald's going forward on Great News early. And Sally Pops is driving through to try and hold them out. And it will. Sally Pops onto the course proper. A half clear from French Marine. Great News is third, but wide. Barossa Rosa fourth the inside. Astero fifth in the middle. Two links away to Rustic Steels. Lobbed in a good spot sixth. Then followed at stablemate Kinlock. Grand Rue and Torfeet last. Further back in the field is Kiss Sum. May Rose is right off the track. Never talks about fifth last with Papali, then Confessed and Travest. And last of all is Poseidon Ruler. 600 metres left to run. Sally pops a slender leader from Great News before the quarter. Two lengths away, Barossa Rosa in third spot. French Marina's fourth. Two back to Astero, fifth, then Grand Rumeur. Rustic Steel about to get to the outside. Spots the leader four. Then followed Kinlock. Kiss Sum under pressure. Never talk as Pinching runs on the inside, needs a way clear. Topping the straight at the 350. Great news hit the front. Rustic Steel out after it. French Marine squeezing through in the centre. Then Barossa Rosa and next is Kinlock. 200 metres left to run. Great news tackled by French Marine and Rustic Steel. Kinlock trying to close off on that trio and kiss some very late. It's French Marine digging in. Rustic Steel. Kinlock's coming late and kiss some as well. Driving finish. Kinlock. I think Kinlock just from kiss some and third in. French Marine from Rustic Steel then followed Great Yes, that was the Provincial Championship final of uh, 2022. Kidlock, that voice belongs to Mitch Manners, one of the very best race callers in this country, a terrific fella, who's left New South Wales and he's now back home in Queensland, starting officially this Saturday as the caller for the Progressive Gold Coast Club. I thought, why not? Let's get Mitch on for a chat. Monday's experts. Morning, Mitch. G'day, Kevy. How are you? I'm good. What are you looking at right now in your luxurious uh, multi-storey seven-bedroom apartment? <laughs> um, I, I get uh, some water views, so that's that's <laughs> enough for now. But um, no, just uh, had a stroll upon the beach this morning. That's a lovely 29 degrees up here. So yeah, can't complain about the weather in the week that I've been here so far anyway. That race we just played, which was last year's provincial championship, where does that um, rate in your highlights? A pretty big deal calling... Um, Randwick, day two of the championships. I know you did it uh, when it was Winter's last race, which obviously was pretty hard to top. But, but in terms of highlights down here at Sky, wh- wh- what do you think of? Certainly, uh, Kevy, the, the, the provincial and, and certainly the country championships. I was lucky enough to do the, the first country championships, the, the uh, inaugural running of that uh, at Randwick um, it was a bit of a competition between uh, a few callers, and they selected the best call out of the out of the qualifiers to do the final at, at Randwick. And uh, the year that Art Lee won it, it was a it was a strange weekend actually, because the, the races were meant to be run on the Saturday, and um, I had some promotional things to do through Sky Sports Radio and the Tab, and um, I I lobbed at Randwick at I think nine thirty and. By the time I got there, that's when they made the announcement that the meeting wasn't going ahead and I was getting pushed back to Monday. So mm. I was pretty much on edge for the couple of days leading in, knowing that I was doing the race. And um, I was all ready to go on the Saturday. And then it uh, uh, it, it sort of all, all changed rather quickly. And 
then I had a, a meeting to go to at Nara on the Sunday and uh, got got there on Sunday as well and the jocks went and looked at the track and the meeting was called off before race one so it it was a real stop start weekend and then uh, I got to do uh, the, the race on on the Monday and uh, that was the first year Chautauqua won his um, his TJ so there was uh, it was it was a, a really great day's racing as well so I've been fortunate enough to do those championships and certainly the country one uh, was, was quite special to do that first one and then um, the, the couple of provincial championships that I've done have been uh, special in their own right to, to call on that last day of uh, Winx's last start in the Queen Elizabeth. I don't think I've been at a race meeting where uh, you could just feel the uh, the excitement and the tension from the crowd uh, all there for one horse. You know, the, there was great racing throughout the day, but they were all there for Winx and you know, that roar when she, she ducked through and, and, and Darren's voice booming over the PA, it was, you know, e- even um, standing in the crowd amongst the 40-odd thousand people, it was goosebumps moments for me. And, and they're, the, they're the sort of moments that, um, you know, you, that's that's why, you, uh, for, for me anyway, and, and most of the, the callers coming through, they're the moments that you want to capture for yourself one day down the track and, and do those feature races and create, uh, great moments like that through uh, feature races, and um, you know, if uh, if if I could take something away from those those things going forward in my career, is how how Darren captured the moment with Winks, and and how Greg Miles captured it with Black Caviar horses that you know, yeah, they kept winning as well. So they they had to come up with different lines to say as well. But uh, I think Darren and, and Greg Miles are, are two um, great, great broadcasters in their own rights, but the, the way that they capture the moment of those two champion racehorses is is a feather to, to their calling careers. Yeah, so you and Darren are pretty close. I know uh, certainly at three in the morning you can be very close together, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> that's been known to happen occasionally. Uh, we we were the last to leave from my farewell, that's for sure, but... <laughs> Gee, what a I surprise. Won't miss what yes. I, I received a text from Darren at one, but you were still going at three. Good on you. Yes. <laughs> um, okay, so Darren Flindell, uh, we know how good he is. What have you learned from him? What do you take away from your time watching and being with Darren? Darren's, um, Darren's got a great, relaxed attitude. Um, and he, you know, the way that he can describe. Uh, the moment of, of feature races is, um, I, I guess that's come through from his Hong Kong days, where you know that the uh, the call of the you know, some of the feature races, like the international days in in Hong Kong, I, I think that's come across to his calling in Sydney as well. That um, he, he's got this this great knack of really nailing the last hundred, two hundred meters of a of a feature race, where it's it's uh, like I said, it's goosebumps sort of stuff, where you Yes, either sitting in your lounge room or listening on the radio or the, the wireless, or even if you are in the grandstand at the race course, that you can feel the race coming through the call. Yep. You know, not often does the call make the race. The race makes the call, but um, you know, guy, uh, Darren's a prime example where you can feel the race coming through. And as I said, you can just be even sitting on your couch at, at home, and, and you feel part of that last hundred meters coming through. So he's he's been a great colleague to work upon he's been very you know very good in his time to to help me out in in the position that I was in as number two to make sure that 
uh, I was available when he was going away to give me those opportunities, and I'm uh, very thankful for for those those little things along the way that have uh, given me good opportunities to call at the metropolitan level. And plus, he you know outside of that, he, he's he's a top bloke as well. So um, you know, I've got a lot to to thank Darren for, and um, yeah, that's um, and and like I said, I'd I'd like to think that it's um, uh, some of his calling has rubbed off on me as well through through the years of since he's come back from Hong Kong. First day I met Darren was at a set of Warwick Farm barrier trials, and we had something like twenty six or twenty seven trials. It was a big session, and back then uh, Sky Thoroughbred Central were covering the trials with a with a live camera in the broadcast box, so we had to dress up at about 5, 5.30 in the morning in suit and tie and go to the track. And there'd be a camera before, a camera, a piece of camera before every trial. And um, thankfully it didn't last too long, Kevin. <laughs> but um, so I, I met Darren for the first time at Warwick Farm and it was about trial 12 and he was, he was on the, uh, he was on the, uh, the path upstairs at the, back of the broadcast boxes at Warwick Farm and uh, he was having a, a, big, a, a big kid um, suck in of a cigarette and uh, he just, um, he's like, oh, welcome to Sydney type thing. This is the, the barrier trial set up. But um, so, yeah, those those days of the, the uh, trials where we had to conduct the, the live camera, thankfully they didn't uh, last too long. But um, yeah, so that was the first time I met him, and we've been close mates ever since. Yeah, you have, and I thought you guys getting together at five thirty a.m. Normally, it's at the end of the night, not at the start of the morning. But we'll move on That's from that. That's why particular... the suit and tie uh, situation sort of had to die uh, a sort of uh, yes. quick death for us. <laughs> uh, yeah. Yes, uh, there's certain mornings that you go to the trials, and and they're, they're one you know. That, uh, that's that's one thing that's sort of changed in the broadcasting landscape for us as well. That we've got a uh, be on show from as early as eight o'clock in the morning to cover those barrier trolls, which are now live um, every step of the way in New South Wales with the introduction of the active channel as well. So we're on show uh, and we've got to call the trials like we're doing um, the races. We've got to get the names in, in the right order. And, um, you know, that's certainly one thing that um, has, uh, I, I think that the, the younger guys coming through can, can really feed off those barrier trolls in the uh, in that sort of aspect of learning colours and and learning them quickly. Like Rose Hill trials, we run sort of heats pretty much within ten minutes. So as soon as the, the trials finished, you're back out again learning an, another set of colours. Generally, ten in a heat, and um, it's a, it's a sharp way to keep your mind active and and learning the colours. So that's one thing that. You know, for the for younger callers out there, I could I could uh, highly recommend um, you know cutting your teeth at the barrier trials because that's as, uh, that's a really good practice tool that you can use going forward in your careers because you, you you've got to learn the colours on a quick basis so it, your mind ticks over um, and to, for me I I believe I've become a better caller from the barrier trials as well. Hmm. Okay, well, let's let's rewind. Let, let's go back to the start. In fact, before we do it, we'll just play this uh, that we did record going back a little while, Mitch. You might remember this. Here we go. Mitch Manners, experience. Yeah, called my first race at preschool. It was just a mock race. Uh, I was on a rocking horse with a set of jockey colours. Uh, I can remember that. 
and we had a presentation day. It was the end of school term. I just wanted to go, you know, and I did my race and I, I also sung a song um, as Jimmy Barnes, but um, I think the career path that I chose was a bit better than trying to emulate Jimmy Barnes. pretty pleased of uh, where I've got to with race calling more so than my singing career, which didn't really take off. Experience. Sky Sports Radio. Yeah, I reckon we recorded that a couple of years ago, Mitch, but but take us back to the start. Where were you born? Where were you raised? Tell us about your family, your upbringing. So that's uh, one thing, uh, you know, with the move back to Queensland is, uh, is special to me to come back home and, and be with family again. So, yeah, Brisbane boy, uh, went to school at uh, Norris Road Primary and then St. Pat's uh, College at Shorncliffe and um, got to meet Alan Thomas at about 13, 14 years of age, one day at Ipswich Races. And um, AT was very good in his time throughout the, you know, the initial uh, process with me and, and practising calling. So, as I said, in, in that clip, my first, Sort of mock race was at, at preschool. I was violently ill. I don't think I've ever been more sick in my life. But I, I made sure I got there on the Friday for presentation day, and I, I did my uh, I did my song and I did my my race on the rocking horse, and um, I was awfully crook after it um, as well. So um, you know, like I said, thankfully it was um, it was all sort of um, one of those things that I was sort of. Uh, Pretty much started off wanting to be a race caller as early as that, so um, I got to um, I, I got to the stage where I, um, I like I said I met, I met AT at 13 years of age and back then my sort of voice was still breaking and he said come back to me in you know two years time 15 something like that and for two years pretty much two straight years I started practicing in, in spare broadcast boxes at um, at uh, Eagle Farm, Doombin occasionally, but mainly Eagle Farm because it was right next door. So I had Wayne Wilson in one box, I was in the middle, and AT was on the other wow. uh, other side. Wow! So yeah. uh, I was uh, very sort of privileged to be in that position at Eagle Farm in for those, those two years and practiced hard. And AT was pretty strict on me as well. Like he, he'd give you a pat on the back if you called a good race and a kick up the backside if I called a, a bad one. I remembered. I backed a horse once uh, at a big price. I had 10 bucks on it, just a simple small bet like that. And it lobbed at 60 to one and the the race call was no good at all. It was, <laughs> um, I was cheering it on. You could pretty much tell in the call I was cheering it on. And that, um, yeah, I, I got a decent kick up the backside for that. And from that point on, I, 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 I did struggle to have a bet while I was calling for a for a real space of time and it'll take me something that I really like to have a bet these days. I think there's, there's enough uh, riding on to uh, being accurate and getting finishes right and, and making sure that you've got the horses in the right order and getting their names right. To Even if it's a small bet like $10 or $20, your mind starts to drift away and look for where that, that horse is. So I, it was a good um, learning curve that to, to you know, be careful about punning while I was calling. So I, hmm. um, and then, like I said, two years of sort of straight practicing, and I called Mackay Divas Melbourne Cup on the school PA. 
oh. at uh, at St Pat's College. It was all it was all planned rather well, and then the the day itself they couldn't get um, they were struggling to get the reception in the TV, um, and it it wasn't it, it looked like it wasn't going to work, and then they they pulled an aerial from somewhere and eventually got a half snowy picture. So over the school PA I called Maccabi Diva's third Melbourne Cup win. Um, and then a week later, instead of going to schoolies, I went to um, to Gatton races and Bow Desert races and called my first uh, couple of races. Uh, Paul Dolan was a really good influence on me early on because uh, he was going to... A, well, back then, the, the, those sorts of tracks like Gatton and Bow Desert and Kilcoy have now had a resurgence and back on the tab circuit. For a stage there, they were only racing non-tab. So another sort of fortunate opportunity for me to to go to those tracks because I wouldn't have been able to as a tab venue, but because they were non-tab, it was sort of carefree. So um, Paul was was really good in giving me uh, some opportunities out there at those sorts of tracks, and I got to cut my teeth at some 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 bush tracks, uh, yep. Stansthorpe and Gainder and and places like that. And um, you know that that was sort of over a stage of about eighteen months as well. Now before we get to the John Tapp Scholarship. Was your family in racing? Did you? I know that we've spoken before that you used to uh, the days when kids and I was the same. A kid would go to the pub with with the parents. You'd sit out in the uh, car park having a, a fire engine to drink while Dad was inside having a bed and a beer. Was your was your family involved in it as well? Yeah, yeah. Dad was Dad was a jockey, and he was he was still riding track work when I was uh, growing up. He, he'd finished race riding, but he was still riding track work. So I'd go to the track with him, and they they all sort of thought I was going to be uh, a jockey because I was little in size at the time, and that didn't really eventuate for me. Um, as people can probably look at my girth now, it was never going to work for me. Um, but um, uh, as I said, I, I um, uh, got to know a lot of really great people through through going to the track, and even small things like uh, now you, kids. Um, of my sort of age weren't uh, uh, sort of frowned upon being in tab areas. Well, back then it was a bit, um, you know, free for all, as long as you were with your parent. Um, so I, that was before Sky come in at home. So I was going to the, to the pub with dad on a Saturday afternoon watching Sky. And, um, and like I said, got to meet a lot of good people through going to, to track work at Deegan. And uh, I, I love the horse as well. So, um, and I've, you know, invested in in racehorses along the way, so I've got a lot of time for the horses as, as an animal as well. So, um, and mum's side of the racing side of things as well. Um, my grandfather owned a number of horses uh, with with a great deal of success for a number of years with Jack Clayton, and uh, so both sides of the family. Uh, my uh, grandmother, she was based at Flemington Street at Hendra, which was a happening place for race, uh, racing stables back in the day. No, no longer now. I think there's only one set of stables there now. But uh, the great rough habit used to stay next door to her and pick on her lawn because it was the best lawn in the street. <laughs> and uh, he'd stay in probably the, the worst set of boxes in, in Brisbane, but uh, would get to pick on the best lawn in the street. So you'd hear the clip-clop of the horses about four or five o'clock in the morning at, at Nana's place if I stayed over there. So that was... 
yeah, that was also a good good um, experience as a young kid staying yeah. around Hendra and, and getting to meet people through there. I just love uh, your recall of such memories. It's so vivid. The clip-clop of uh, you just stuff from your childhood that you remember with such fondness and so clearly. It just... Uh, it's just great to hear. So um, the John Tapp Scholarship, uh, how did you, like, where did you go from, okay, calling in boxes and practicing at country venues to getting the, the John Tapp Scholarship, coming to Sky? Tell us the story. So for Tab or Radio Tab, as it's known now, started to slowly introduce me as a, as a caller um, through doing some, some Greyhound races. I uh, got a I got an opportunity, and, and he's been a, a terrific supporter of mine through Steve Hawkins. Uh, one day at Parklands Dogs, which is uh, no longer uh, in existence, and that was my first meeting. So, uh, AT started to give me a couple of gallop races at Ipswich on a Wednesday or Friday afternoon. Did a couple at Doombin one day, so I was doing bits and bobs there, and then Radio Tab started to to use me as a um, sort of backup greyhound caller and would sort of roster me one shift every fortnight. So that's um, that's how I started there. And then it was, uh, that sort of probably happened for about 12, 18 months, as well as going to the non-tabs when I could. And um, and then the, the John Tapp scholarship was was announced that, you know, the, the applications are um, coming through. And um, there was, uh, obviously there was a heap of nominations and, had to send through the, the tapes of my, my better calls. I did have, you know, I, I'll be, I was pretty lucky in the sense that I had some Sky experience and called races uh, prior to, to the scholarship. So I, I was pretty, um, uh, had a good grounding for the, for the nomination process and I was fortunate enough to get it. And it was all, uh, as I've said a few times previously, it was all fast track because Matt was in Beijing, Matt Hill, the first scholarship winner was in Beijing and he got terribly crook. And, they, they, you know, there was a, um, a number of times that, you know, he was touch and go there while he, after he got crook drinking the water while he was commentating the rowing. So instead of having three months to sort of pack everything up and head to Sydney after it was announced that I was getting the scholarship, I, I, I literally had four weeks because they weren't sure how Matt was going to be. He was, he was out of the, out of the woods and, and um, in some aspects, but they weren't sure how he was going to be when he returned back to Sydney from a calling capacity. So that's when that was in 2008 and um, uh, Matt and Josh were still in, in Sydney at the time. And I started with uh, uh, that, that scholarship process and going to the provincials with Matt and Josh and calling race, a couple of races here and there at Kembla and Newcastle and uh, tracks like that. So it was, tough going early on because you were on basic wage at um with a with a scholarship so it was uh it was a big learning curve to move out of home at 19 and think that there was food in the fridge and then you'd go to the fridge and there was nothing there it was um and I, I lived in manly early on so it was a big culture shock that from little suburb of deegan to manly where uh, people are surfy and um yeah i, I Probably I struggled in the first six months because I, I I didn't really gel in Manly, and lo and behold I come back to a surf <laughs> beachside um, suburb now. Um, but um, the first twelve months was sort of slightly difficult, but at the same time the the, 
the drive for the position was kept me going and and then I, I started to do other things like uh, Kevin Thompson was uh, he was uh, struck by a by a vehicle and he broke his leg so I was quickly fast tracked into a position to call the Newcastle trots on a Thursday afternoon and Saturday night that was a fixed sort of roster that they had there so Thursday afternoon Saturday night every week and I did that for three or four months and got to meet some terrific people through uh, Newcastle trots in particular Michael Beatty has been a, a big uh, help to me and was terrific um, when I went to Grafton for the carnival a couple of years ago so um, I, I sort of treasure that experience as well so things happen rather quickly in the first sort of six to nine months as well as trying to settle into Sydney. Yeah. Mitch Manners is uh, our guest here on Monday's Experts, uh, just going through the process of coming to Sydney for the John Tapp Scholarship and, and learning the ropes with um, the likes of Matt Hill and Josh Fleming and, and Kevin Thompson. Uh, who else? Give us some other callers who were here at the time. Timmy Newbold, obviously. Yeah, yeah. So it's, uh, you know, even Sky, um, you know, from from when I started to where it is now, it's, uh, you know, there's a lot of, Familiar faces still there, and a lot of changing of faces as well. But so Matt, um, Matt was still uh, Matt Hill was still there for a, probably about twelve months while I was there, yep. and, and then Josh got the position to go to Brisbane, which he which he's at now after taking over from AT. Matt got the position in Melbourne, so and then Darren came back. Um, I think I was probably about two two three years into well, I'd become full time by then, and Darren come back. To, from, from Hong Kong and in that process as well Luke then got the, the next scholarship after the third or fourth year so hmm. obviously the four winners have been Matt, Josh, myself and Luke and it's a, a credit to Sky and the John Tapp scholarship of the standing broadcast that that, that scholarship has created and you know we're, uh, I know Kevin you and I have worked closely on a, a few young guys coming through to um, see them succeed as well because it's a changing landscape the broadcasting uh of how we call races now but hmm. you know there's there's a number of guys that all um uh, you know 10 15 years time the, the demographic will change again so um That's you know true. starting to invest in some of those those younger guys coming through at you know ages of 19 20 and uh get them to learn the ropes quickly and um but also make sure that they're ready to to call the right races and get them correctly and I think there's some some good young kids coming through from what I've uh, the, the, the guys that I've know, know yeah. of as well yeah too right and you're setting a perfect example on how to uh, behave on and off track as well which is a a credit to yourself and and how you were raised you're at the you're at the the peak of your powers Mitch you're so measured you give the race time to breathe in all codes to not just in the gallops uh, I love the way you call that the harnessman angle whatever um when do you think you found your mojo like how many years did it take you before you thought you know what I think I'm going all right probably uh there was a stint that Darren took away he 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 was away for four weeks uh he he took a big chunk of holidays he'd been uh sort of saving up a fair bit of annual leave and he'd been going sort of through the carnival process and he he took a, a month off during a, a winter, I think it was a June or a July, and I did seven metropolitan meetings in Sydney, and that's when I felt uh, that I, I, I belonged um, in, well, firstly Sydney, but as, as the number two behind Darren because I had consistency of calling the horses in the metro area. And 
I felt more relaxed each time uh, I, I stepped up to the plate to do a Saturday and then the Wednesday and then the following Saturday. So plus all the radio previews and the bits and bobs that go with the Metropolitan. So I think that was about four years ago, four or five years ago. And that was, that was one moment that after I did the, I got, I got a few uh, messages after I did the last race on the, at Warwick Farm. It was a Saturday meeting at Warwick Farm and a few, few messages sort of, say like you know job well done because you I, I didn't make too many mistakes in the seven meetings that I did so that was probably the turning point for me um, and that consistency of going to the Canterbury Friday nights and uh, I, I believe my calling does improve when I, I need to step up to the to the plate to to take over from Darren because they're big shoes the Saturday Saturday meetings, you don't realise how many people are watching racing until you broadcast a race on a Saturday afternoon and hmm. you make a mistake, you know about it. But if you call a good race, you also know about it. So it works both ways for a race caller. You generally know you've had a good day if you don't see anything on social media <laughs> um, yes. or, 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 or hear from your boss, um, <laughs> um, Mr. Tote Market somewhere along the way. Um, but so that's – and social media is a big – big factor now as well like uh you, you can either look at it or or sh- shy away from it um i i look at it but i don't get involved in the conversations too much so um i mm. i just sort of you know we we are human um and, and we will make a mistake here and there the, the the problem is if you continue to make the mistake then you you're going wrong somewhere along the way so um like I said, each time I've I've gone to a Saturday meeting, I felt more and more relaxed because early on it was I was always sort of quite nervous about yeah. uh, some Saturday meetings. But um, but as I said, the the more times that I did them, the more relaxed that I I, I became doing um, those Saturdays when Darren was off. We've well, obviously. Um... Uh, made impressions in the right areas because the Gold Coast Turf Club is a progressive club, as I said in the introduction. They're on the way up. They've got big plans, and they thought, we want a race caller, young fella, which is being generous to you, saying you're young, but uh, a young fella as a caller to base their future around. The Gold Coast came headhunting from Mitch Manners. Um, tell us about the Gold Coast. Um, what are their plans? How excited are you to be back? Uh, you are got to be the face and voice of this club. Yeah, it's... Um sort of all happened rather quickly from a, uh, a message exchange about three, four months ago to a interview process. And, and um, Tabcorp have been uh, huge in the, in the process as well. Uh, the Gold Coast were, were in a position that they were signing sponsorship uh, rights. And, and when they went with Tabcorp, it, it gave some leverage for, for, um, this process and, and my contract to to sort of happen rather smoothly to, to transition across from New South Wales to, to the Gold Coast. So my role will be to, to call at um, Aquas Park Gold Coast as well as Bow Desert, their other club that they um, uh, are in partnership with. And and then I'll also do the barrier trials at the Gold Coast and Bow Desert as well. And then bits and pieces along the way, tab functions, turf club functions um, and, and get involved in the racing side of things, programming, um, something that I'm, I've always been interested in, um, being able to work with a, a, a number of stables along the way with uh, help in, in programming for, for horses and, and stuff like that. So I, I, um, 
that's that's one interest that I've always had. Um, so there'll be bits and pieces along the way. I won't just work two days a week, um, Kevy. Um, it is nice to have Makes those a change. weeks. Yeah. <laughs> um, I've got a good man looking after the roster, which um, yeah. that, that helps. So um, we'll probably get through Saturday first, and then uh, once uh, I, I start properly, then uh, the, the Turf Club and I work out a few uh, bits and pieces along the way. So the first sort of six to nine months here is a real um, gradual sort of stepping stone because, uh, well, they've they've taken the running rails down now on the course proper and they're about to rip it up and, and start again with that. So the first six to uh, well, first nine months is practically calling races on, on a Saturday on the on their poly track at the, at the Gold Coast, as well as meetings at Bow Desert. But the, the long-term goal was, let's uh, have a sort of uh, a nice ease into the first sort of nine months here. Um, and by that stage too, I get to see everything else uh, evolve around me. So the lights will go in after the, um, well, the turf turf gets laid and they start working from the turf and they're looking at the first meeting in September uh, on the new course proper. The lights first meeting uh, looking at uh, November with the lights um, and then Magic Millions, the tab wave and the Magic Millions next year. And then in 2025, they'll they'll introduce the Friday night race meeting, which will be a six race card, a select six race card with a $3 million slot race. And then into the Magic Millions race day itself on the Saturday. So in the space of sort of less than 24 hours, there'll be $20, $20 million in prize money wow. the Friday night and Saturday. So wow. it's exciting. It's progressive. Um, I also know too, Kevin, there's one part of me that wanted to challenge myself to another degree with my broadcasting as well. Um, you know, I was, uh, I've sat back and listened to Josh and, and, and David as well up here, and they, they've called um, terrifically in, at Magic Millions meetings for, for a number of years. I was listening to David in the grandstand the other day and um, I was I was pretty, uh, you know, I, I knew to myself that I've, I'll have i have to improve as a broadcaster as well, but it's that time too that um, I, I want to challenge myself and get better and get some feature races under my belt to, to improve improve me as a broadcaster as well. So that was also part of it. It's, it's not just coming here for one big giant holiday. Um, it's it's also to challenge myself and get get um, to a higher level in my broadcasting, which I believe I can. Yeah, you're a pretty humble guy about it. You're a gun, and uh, they're lucky to get you. So um, at least we still get to hear you, even if we don't get to. I don't get to send you to to more greyhounds, Mitch. So uh, you'll uh... <laughs> <laughs> one place I never got to, but um, well, I'm sh- I'm sure you'll have to work out some way to to justify my two or three days a week. So yeah. Look, um, it's been uh, it's been great to chat to you, Mitch. You're one of my favourite callers and, and favourite people, so it's nice to get you on the radio on Monday's Experts and have a bit of a, a chat about where you've been and where you're going, and it's so exciting, your future, and uh, thanks for spending time with us this morning. It's been quite insightful about the the journey of Mitch Manus. Good luck. Thanks, Kevy, and I, I really appreciate all your help that uh, you've given me over the, the number of years, in, particularly in the last couple of years through... Um, out, outside of working capacity as well, we've been we've become very close, and uh, you've been a uh, great help to the race callers as well as in your managing role and um, how smoothly the roster transition is. So, 
Um, I, I really appreciate all that you've done for me, Kevy, in the in the last couple of years, and um, certainly our, our our friendship will continue to to grow on from uh, from this point on as well. Yeah, well, I'll miss you, but not nearly as much as the brewing industry in Marrickville will. Um, <laughs> they'll be poorer for your absence. So, uh, good luck, mate, and thanks for chatting to us. And we'll uh, speak to you a bit later on. Thanks, Kevy. Mitch Manners, Monday's experts on Sky Sports Radio.